I am not a wedding expert. I am not a wedding consultant. If you have any wedding questions, you are probably better off asking a few billion people on this earth before me. I've been married once. I've been to a couple weddings. Okay, a few. Probably should have behaved better at a few. But we're going to talk weddings on the show today. We're going to talk about the royal wedding, which you can hear on Global News Radio 980 CFPL, starting tomorrow morning at 5.30, in case you happen to not want to sleep in on a Saturday. And there are actually people, and we're going to meet at least one of them, who will be wide awake. We're also going to go to the U.K. We're going to take you right to Windsor Castle at 1.40 this afternoon, because we're hearing all kinds of things like... Harry and Meghan attire. What exactly is that? Harry and Meghan attire. Was this like in the 80s when iron-ons became a thing and you could go to a store and pick out your color of shirt, pick out your iron-on? Remember this? You couldn't do this at home. And then presto, because that's the word they used in the 80s, they would put it on the shirt and you could wear it out if you wanted to. The shirt was kind of warm. But you could wear it out. Is that, is that what that is? Is this Harry and Meghan iron-ons? I have a feeling it goes a little deeper than that. And we'll make sure and ask. That's coming up at 1.40. After 2 o'clock, we will talk about PC leader Doug Ford's visit to London. And it'll kind of be a, a wedding-type theme because we'll be looking at who was there and who was not, who wore it best, kind of. So that's coming up after 2 o'clock. But even before we jump into the wedding, we have to follow a story that normally would take over a talk show. And this is really an example of where this has come. This is going to be interspersed throughout London Live, but it's not going to monopolize London Live like it would have, I don't even know how many years ago, but we've been in a way, desensitized to this, and there's a little bit of proof right off the hop coming from the leader of the United States of America. Another school shooting today. Today is May the 18th, and if we kept our dates in a different way, if we didn't kind of look at a number in a month, we might say, this is week 20. So what's week 20? Well, week 20 is actually from May 14th, 2018, to May 20th, 2018. It's the 20th week of the year. Why is that significant? Well, because there have been 22 school shootings in the United States in 2018. 22 school shootings in the United States in 2018. You can't fit all of them into a one per week. And today we have another deadly one, another horrific one. There is a suspect in custody. We know that. This happened in Texas at Santa Fe High School in Galveston County around 8 a.m. local time. Eight people have been reported dead. And here's the biggest problem with all of this. You know, it was probably your grandmother who said this the first time. Maybe your mom. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, it's 2018. We could throw that into tweets. If you don't have anything nice to tweet, 
don't tweet anything at all. U.S. President Donald Trump tweeted, School shooting in Texas. Early reports not looking good. God bless all. He could be talking about the weather. A storm coming. Early reports not looking good. Holiday weekend. It's Memorial Day in the United States. It's May 2-4 or Victoria Day weekend in Canada. Early reports not looking good on that forecast. Could get some rain. What is he talking about? A Yankees game? Yeah, they're in the first inning. Early reports not looking good. Yankees have already put three on base. This is what he writes. And then he did have an address and said, quote, Unfortunately, I have to begin by expressing our sadness and heartbreak over the deadly shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas. This has been going on for too long in our country. Too many years. Too many decades now. That's disgusting. When you're willing to say too many decades now and just say it as words, that's disgusting. You're not doing anything to fix this. You probably can't because of all of the money that rolls in courtesy of the NRA. But if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. There is no need for the president to even comment on this. Because it's the 22nd school shooting in 20 weeks. It's absolutely frightening. And nothing is moving toward changing anything. And that's why this isn't going to become a topic. Because all we are going to do is bang our heads against the wall. Or we're going to hear from people who say, well, you know what? If you take away the right to bear arms, what's next? I don't know. Nothing. You just take away the right to bear arms? You cut down on the number of weapons that you have? Oh, well, responsible gun owners. Yeah, responsible gun owners are great. I have no problem with responsible gun owners. I know a lot of them. They're fantastic people. This is not about responsible gun owners. This is about access. That has to change. And it's very unfortunate that this continues. That a U.S. president says things like, this has been going on for too many decades now. Give me a break. Find a way to fix this. This is why when you look at what the Democrats are doing, I don't know if it's going to work. I'm just going to be a bystander. I'm not rooting. But what they're trying to do is group marijuana and gun control and a couple of other things and mobilize a young voting population. That young voting population is going to get very, very passionate. And this is more fuel to their fire. That's all we're going to say about that right now, because we are going to focus in on something that is happier going into the weekend. However, if there are new details to update on the school shooting in Texas, you'll have them immediately. Jacqueline LaBelle will make sure and update the situation even if it's a recap of what has gone on every half hour, and you'll have that on London Live. But I don't want to go into a weekend where we just bang our heads against the wall because there's nothing more to say. And that's the saddest part of all of it. So up next, we will talk some royal wedding. In fact, we'll talk with someone who is already setting their alarm for very, very early, far too early on a Saturday morning in which you're not catching a flight. 
This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. There are many weddings ahead this weekend. It's a very popular weekend to get married. Only one of them will have people in North America waking up really early. People getting married this weekend themselves will be waking up after some of the alarms that will go off in massive numbers. At what, 3.30? You give yourself 3.45? Time to pour the coffee out of the coffee maker and park yourself down in a comfortable spot? I don't know. But there is one viewing party we want to check in on right now because Karen Stone is hosting it. Karen is with the St. Joe's Group of Hospitals. Karen, are you even going to sleep tonight? Um, yes, but a little bit early, Mike, as soon as the decorations are put up, then um, offer a little bit of sleep before our uh, 3 a.m. wake-up call. So 3 a.m. you'll be getting up. Now, in terms of decorations, how do you decorate for a royal wedding viewing party? Uh, great question. So we do have uh, wedding decorations that we have uh, put uh, throughout my house, and um, we've got a, a big hat on the front door, of course, because... Um, Patrons that are coming in to view will be uh, all dressed in uh, hats, fascinators, um, and uh, dresses uh, as appropriate to attending a royal wedding. Fascinator has become a fascinating <laughs> word. In fact, it's become a word that we're hearing about. It, it something you wear on your head, but it's not technically a hat? So that's as we understand it. Um, and there, uh, I mean, there's Lots of opportunities. Some of my guests are making their fascinators, um, but it's, it's as best I can see, it's a contraption that you attach to your head uh, as opposed to a hat that you can just put on your head. London's own Karen Stone hosting a viewing party coming up very early tomorrow morning. Alarm goes off at 3. Decorations will be set up. So I guess this is not about just grabbing the house coat and a comfy spot on the couch. Everybody's coming ready for this. Yeah, so mandatory uh, dress, as I said, like um, would be uh, becoming of a royal wedding. Um, guests need to be in by 4 a.m. Uh, Summer sleeping over, uh, of course, uh, so they don't have to make the long trip to uh, my place. But 4.30 is when the first arrivals, we understand, will be coming into the church. So uh, 4 o'clock, mimosas and gin and tonics. See, that's good. Okay. All right. Now now you're beginning to win me over a little bit. What exactly are you most looking forward to seeing? Uh, well, that's the reason why we're getting up early, because for us, it's more about who's coming into the church, how are they coming in, what are they wearing, uh, where are they sitting. We've got lotteries, uh, pools that were put in place. Is Harry shaving or not shaving? Is Megan's hair up or down? Um, did Fergie get invited to the wedding or not? So we've got a lot of stuff going on, which is why we got to get ourselves organized and up and ready. And um, so all throughout uh, the first three hours before the ceremony starts is uh, what we're most looking forward to. Karen, you're winning me over even more. This is kind of <laughs> like Super Bowl stuff. First touchdown, lead at halftime. So, yeah, you could you could bet on things. Well, like we're uh, following the tradition of my mom, who always uh, got up for anything royal. We've uh, brought her tea set over to my place, so we can, uh, we'll be using the tea set. I can't guarantee there'll be tea in the tea set, but um, we certainly will be using it and trying being as appropriate as we can, uh, as I say, in honor of, uh, of uh, royalty tradition. Now, one last question, that is, <laughs> how do you and your friends feel about the fact that there is a TV star who's going to be part of the royal family? Is it a good thing? Is it a thing that's, uh, 
we are all for it. It's uh, bringing the mo- continuing to bring the monarchy into um, into today's reality, and uh, we just can't wait for her to continue to shine as part of the family. Well said. Well, Karen, enjoy your 3 o'clock wake-up call. I'm sure you'll enjoy everything that comes afterward. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. That is Karen Stone. Karen is with the St. Joe's Group of Hospitals here in London and is having a wedding party. And if you don't have your invitation... And if you haven't made a fascinator, 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 if you haven't made a fascinator yet, then don't worry because you still have time to actually get to a Tim Hortons tomorrow, 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern, 1205 Hyde Park Road in London. They are actually going to have a viewing party. They'll be paying tribute to the royal celebration. They're transforming their Tim Hortons with a British makeover. Guests will get to sit back and relax in gold lounge seating, and they even use the word whilst, whilst watching the royal wedding live in store on the big screen. So you are invited tomorrow, 12.05 Hyde Park Road in London, 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. So... That's uh, the way that things are happening up in the northwest corner of the city. Hey, if you are heading to a wedding this summer, let's take a minute to try and turn this into something that might be helpful to all of us. Because I don't know about you, I am not a good gift giver. I'm not very good at it, never been very good at it. Every once in a while, you throw a dart into the air and, and it hits something. Sometimes that thing says, ow, and then you know you should go back to the store and buy something else. Other times it actually works. We need to find out about wedding gifts. What do you even spend anymore on a wedding gift? Belinda Bonnier is the vice president of marketing with ebates.ca, and she joins us right now to talk a little bit about what to give as a royal wedding present and what to give as a regular wedding present. Belinda, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Wedding shopping, any shopping, actually, is uh, terrifying, I I just I don't excel at it. So thank you for putting together a poll which kind of helps out in all of this. One of the things that you looked at as we talk more about Harry and Meghan's wedding is what to give a couple that seems to have everything. Um wh- where do you even begin? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think most of us will be as challenged with a couple like Harry and and Megan around people who have everything. But more and more, you know, couples are living together before they're getting married and they have complete households of of items, right? So what what do you get them? Um, You know, I think a lot of uh, the people we polled saying a charitable donation is a nice idea. We see that with the royal wedding, that they have identified some charities that they work with. Now, that's not for everybody. Um, But something that is a new trend is experiences. So if the couple is a foodie couple, get them a cooking class. If they're music lovers, get them tickets to their favorite festival. So giving them an experience, something they can do together, something that they'll remember is from you, um, is a new trend that we're seeing. Now, you obviously have to be careful because let's say that somebody gets you uh, jumping off a cliff class. You, you may not want to do that. So how, how conservative should you go with things like that? Yeah, 
there's lots of sites that cater um, to those types of things. So a site like Groupon, where you might be able to get the couple sort of a gift certificate or card to that site that then allows them to cater the experience that they really like. And I think the key here is that obviously if you're included in their big day, you know what they like and dislike, and you would know really what would be appealing to them as a couple. Linda Bonier with us, VP of Marketing with Ebates.ca. As we look at an Ebates.ca poll, but also, this, this is helpful, we're heading into wedding season, and again, shopping can be terrifying. Now, with regard to gift certificates, gift cards, didn't they used to be kind of taboo, don't do that, and find a way to buy something personal? Has that changed? Yeah, you know, it it is starting to change. So obviously, you know, Canadians that we spoke to saying weddings are one of the hardest things to shop for. So not surprising that many Canadians are ditching the idea of giving a gift and giving cash. But this idea of gift cards, something new. What's really interesting is that 65% of us say that we would appreciate getting a gift card or gift certificate, but only 50% of us saying that we feel that it's appropriate. So there's still a little bit of disparity there that we think maybe it is not as appropriate, but if we received it, we would be happy to. I personally think you know, cash is always a welcome um, gift for a couple. You just have to sort of think about where you'd like to go with respect to denomination. Belinda, there's an old rule of thumb that said if you are going to a wedding, think about what it is going to cost them to have you. And that's kind of a guideline for how much you should be spending on a gift. How do we do it today when we determine how much to spend? You know, I I think that um, still holds true, right? You know, lots of people sort of think, oh, it's going to cost, you know, however much per head for the couple for us to be there. Um, I think it it really ranges. What I can tell you is weddings certainly still topping the most expensive gifts that Canadians are shopping for. Um, The average is about $145 per person. Um, and that's up significantly from when we, we asked Canadians last year. It was $120 last year. So certainly Canadians are, are being more generous to their um, couple friends who are tying the knot. Linda Bonnier with us, VP of Marketing with Ebates.ca. As we look at some wedding information in light of the big topic of the weekend, you can hear the wedding tomorrow morning starting at 5.30 on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. You can watch it on Global TV. But if you're going to a wedding this summer, well, these are some great tips. Maybe the last thing we should look at is the idea that when you are invited to a wedding, it's very special. It's very nice of them to think of you. But at the same time, it means you better have a little savings stored up because it usually isn't the freest thing to take part in. How do you reduce kind of those financial stresses of going to a wedding? Absolutely. You know, when we look at our our survey data here People are saying the most stressful part of attending the wedding is the expense. So there's a couple things you can do, whether it's a weekend trip to the couple's hometown or a destination wedding or a local wedding. I think something really that is important is to plan ahead. So typically with a wedding, you get the invite far in advance. So that gives you the opportunity to watch for sales, check out sites like ebates.ca for deals or coupons, whether it's 
for a hotel stay or the gift for the couple. So I think, you know, planning ahead hopefully can relieve some of that stress. And the wedding season is something that allows us to do that because we usually get a good amount of notice before the big day. Belinda, thanks for all the tips. My pleasure. That is Belinda Bonier, Vice President of Marketing with Ebates.ca. So if you're attending a wedding, hopefully that helps out. If you're attending the royal wedding, congratulations. Uh, You are an A-lister. Otherwise, you never know. You could find your way in front of it at some point. Global TV will have it. You can tune in on the radio starting at 5.30 right here on Global News Radio 980 CFPL, and you'll be able to hear all of the happenings. I'm not even sure what's taking place. So we're going to address that next. There's a place called Windsor Castle. It's where this wedding's going to be taking place. We'll go there at 1.40. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Beautiful day in downtown London. Don't forget the London Majors play their very first home game of the season. They tried to do this last week and it didn't quite work out. Something about weather and the weather on Friday night last week was a little on the nasty side. So this time around they are home to the Kitchener Panthers and things are looking a lot better according to John Wilson. So get yourself out to the ballpark. Majors. Kitchener Panthers, and the start of the IBL season in London. The Majors have already played two road games, and FC London's men's side plays tonight at 8.30 at the German-Canadian Club Stadium. So that's coming up as well. Pro Stars FC in town, and London FC so far unbeaten. So congratulations to them. Memorial Cup begins in an hour from now, roughly an hour, maybe an hour and five minutes. We'll actually talk with a guy who is at the Memorial Cup at the moment, former London Knights captain Robert Thomas, who helped the Hamilton Bulldogs to an OHL championship and over 8,000 people in there for the final couple of games. So that's good. Hamilton is a market that you want to see succeed. It's a great town and you just want to see it succeed. So We will talk with him in about an hour, give it an hour and five, hour and ten. And after two o'clock, we are going to talk with Dr. Zach Taylor, who is from Western University. We're going to talk about the fact that PC leader Doug Ford was in town today, some of the challenges that he's facing with a charity dinner that broke a rule because he attended it. you got to look at these rule books closely. And in a way, I kind of feel for this. We were talking about this last night on On Point with Alex Pearson, and we were looking at whether or not this was a, a kind of a, a big deal. I kind of feel for Doug Ford when he is, in a way, being accused by the other parties of having broken a a rule on the old election campaign when you've got a lot of people looking after your affairs. And Doug Ford is unique in the fact that he's got a lot of people looking after a lot of different things because, remember, he didn't have a lot of prep time going in. So he was put into this position, and then it's go. And so you have to count on people knowing rules. Now, does that excuse anything? Probably not. But when you're putting your faith in the hands of others to make sure that they're doing everything absolutely right, eh, things can go wrong. And it always comes back to the face in front of the camera. And that belongs to Doug Ford. He made an announcement today, as you heard Jacqueline LaBelle talking about 
in the news about mental health, about addictions, about housing issues. So we'll talk with Dr. Taylor about that. And there is a curiosity locally that one of the candidates, who used to be a talk show on nine, talk show host on 980 CFPL, Andrew Lawton, was not there. He had tweeted that he was out campaigning, and that tweet was sent at 11 o'clock. But there were other candidates there. All the other city candidates seemed to be there. Uh, Monty McNaughton was not there. Um, you also had Jeff Urich not there. But they weren't city candidates. And... One of the things that had been said to reporters was that this was not an announcement being made in London West. But was it important? Does it matter that much? With reading something into this that isn't there, we'll talk about that with Dr. Taylor after 2 o'clock. So lots of things still on the way. Up next, I'm not much of a royal watcher, although we talked about it on the show yesterday. You can't knock royal watchers. And Craig Needles, if you haven't heard... His commentary today, you really have to, because Needles on the Record talks about the fact that this is a big story. Why is it a big story? Because billions of people are paying attention. That makes it news. And Craig was bang on. And so we have to figure this out. If you are not sympathetic to royal watchers, don't knock them. Don't make fun of their fascinators. Fascinators? Fascinators. Don't make fun of those because everybody's got a royal wedding in their life. I can't wait to stay up until about one this morning to watch the end of the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Regina Pats. That's my royal wedding. And whatever it is, you've got a royal wedding too. So cut the royal watchers some breaks. Allow the the alarm to ring around your house if necessary. Allow them to get up and have their tea and wear their hats and watch the royal procession as Harry and Meghan get married. Here's what we've been hearing. There is Harry and Meghan attire. What could that be? I can understand Harry and Meghan posters. I can understand Harry and Meghan plates because the UK has a lot of fancy plates, a lot of collector plates. Big into that. I can understand that. Harry and Meghan attire. What are we talking? Iron-on t-shirts? When we go to Windsor Castle, which we're going to do next, that's the first thing we're going to have to ask about. Stick around to see what exactly Harry and Meghan attire is all about. Um... I need to check in on something because apparently apparently there's beachwear. Harry and Meghan beach. They, I don't believe it. We'll find out next. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Royal Wedding comes up tomorrow starting at 530. You can hear coverage on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. But we're taking some time to talk about it. Billions of people are talking about this. Makes it big news. So let's go to the site where the news is the biggest. Redmond Shannon is standing outside Windsor Castle where Harry and Meghan, do we call him Prince Harry? Is she Princess Meghan? Is she going to be a princess? I don't know. I'll ask that, but not right now because I'm far more curious about something else. Redmond, thanks for being here. We're hearing a lot about Meghan and Harry attire everywhere does that mean what people are wearing clothes with megan and harry on them well i actually saw something the other day which was a, a little bit disturbing it was a disturbing extension of the royal uh knickknack paraphernalia trend that you have around every wedding swimsuits bearing the faces 
of the prince and uh, princess to be, uh, accompanied by, and you can also get Prince William's face and uh, uh, the, the Duchess of Cambridge's face on a swimsuit too. Okay, it, now it sounds horrific. It is horrific. When you say swimsuits, see, in North America, when we say swimsuits, I'm thinking waist down to the knee and nice and big. Are you referring to maybe like a Speedo? No, no I'm, t- I'm talking about so a one-piece for a lady. Yeah, so I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not talking about old-fashioned. But these are, yeah, with the, the face superimposed. It's just wrong on so many levels, especially when the skin tone matches your skin tone and sort of the face blends into the body of the model. It's just wrong. But you can, you can take a step back here and you can get those paper face masks. A lot of people are, are buying and selling those here in Windsor right now. Uh, there are flags with their faces on. There are mugs with their faces on. Just about anything you can think of, you can buy it with the faces of Harry and Meghan. We're talking with Redmond Shannon, who is at Windsor Castle, getting set for the start of the wedding, which you can hear on Global News Radio 980 CFPL, beginning very early tomorrow morning, our time. The weather is sometimes unsettled in the UK. Does weather even matter for this, Redmond? It does matter, yeah. There is a plan A for good weather and a plan B for not so good weather, but the plan B, it doesn't look like it has to be worried about at this point. The weather all this week has been getting better and better, and it's, today is uh, very sunny and warm. Tomorrow it's going to be even a little bit warmer, maybe 23, 24 degrees and sunny, so really absolutely perfect weather for this. It means that after the ceremony, the royal couple can uh, sit in that open-top uh, carriage, uh, horse-drawn carriage, and be uh, paraded, if you will, Around the town of Windsor, there's a 25-minute procession uh, accompanied by uh, members, of, members of the armed forces um, going through the town of Windsor, down through the town, and then back up the so-called long walk, the long, straight route that uh, leads all the way back up into the castle again for their afternoon reception. So there should be thousands and thousands of people. There will be thousands and thousands of people lining the route to catch a glimpse and take a picture as to do so. I wonder what the over-under on pictures is going to be. I, I don't think we should, we should even guess at that. Now, if we go back in time, when the royal wedding between Prince Charles and Lady Diana took place, and that royal marriage took place, it was, it was accepted. She was a lady. She was Lady Diana Spencer. Then we had Prince William, who essentially married a commoner. Now we have... Harry marrying a TV star. How is this going over among the royal family? The royal family hasn't commented that much on it, other than to say that she is very welcome to the family. Um, they don't. Uh, they haven't overtly said anything negative, of course, and they seem very happy that Harry is happy. Um, and of course. Uh, what we found out today is that because Meghan's father, Thomas Markle, won't be here, it will be Prince Charles who escorts her down the aisle, walks her down the aisle in St. George's Chapel tomorrow. And uh, it's uh, seen as a nice gesture that he is welcoming her to the family in that way. Uh, yes, as you say, she is uh, an American actress. That's uh, a big deal, a lot of history when it comes to... Uh, American divorcees, royally, 
marrying into the royal family. It led to an abdication 80 years ago. Um, the, uh, the, the uncle of the current queen stepping aside because of that. But things have changed. Times have changed. We have a, a woman of mixed race marrying into the royal family, and really nobody uh, thinks it's a bad idea. Everybody thinks it's a fantastic thing and uh, sort of wishing them, wishing them the best. Even if somebody isn't a, a royal fan, I think uh, people in Britain are very, uh, you know, very happy that um, it's going off according to plan and it's going off uh, with, um, with such, a, uh, such, a, such an interest from around the world. Redmond Shannon from Global News are with us from Windsor Castle as we talk about the royal wedding. Now, when you look at the royal family, obviously this has been a fascination going back centuries. But would you say that from what you're seeing, the bathing suits, of course, included, would you say that this has hit a whole new level? I think maybe it has because this wedding is not as, well, quote-unquote important as Prince William's wedding, of course, because Prince William is second in line to the throne. Uh, Prince Harry is sixth in line to the throne, and it will be, it's very unlikely that he will ever be king. So, technically speaking, it is less important. It is not as big as Prince William's wedding was, but the uh, social media age and technology has allowed uh, so much more coverage uh, of this. Now, 2011, when Prince William got married, you know, we had Twitter, we had Facebook, of course, but uh, things have ramped up and up since then, and it is a, there's such a huge public interest in this uh, here in Britain and in many parts of the world. I think mainly in the English-speaking world, but honestly, uh, I've been in the, in the, in the centre of Windsor today, and you see um, uh, media from all countries, from so many countries around the world here, covering the event. So I think it's just uh, a huge, um, there's such a huge interest in the the glamour of it all. It's Hollywood, it's royalty coming together, and uh, just the, the media age we live in means there is so much more coverage than ever before of these type of events. From Windsor Castle in the UK, Redmond Shannon from Global News with us on London Live. Redmond, we hear that, Megan's mom is going to meet the Queen today. How big an event is that on the overall radar? Well, I mean, let's, I, I, we should think about it in terms of two families meeting. It's a big event, I bet, for the royal couple. If anyone who's been involved in a wedding knows, you know, when the in-laws meet, you know, you never know how it's going to go, but I'm sure this will be quite formal, uh, quite um, choreographed in a way. Uh, one would love to be a fly in the wall to know what they talk about. But I imagine that uh, given how much Harry has spoken uh, fondly of his uh, mother-in-law-to-be, uh, it will be uh, quite a cordial meeting. So I think it's just important, mainly insofar as you have two families meeting. We know that uh, 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 Meghan's mother, Georgia Ragland, met with uh, Prince Charles and Camilla and Prince William uh, and the Duchess of Cambridge uh, yesterday, but now meeting the Queen today. A big deal, but mainly a big deal for two families. Redmond, as a final note, for tomorrow morning, what do people need to know? What do listeners need to know in terms of what will be taking place as the royal wedding unfolds? 
Well, they need to know they can they can uh, you know tune in uh, on the radio with you guys. They can tune in on the TV as well from very very early from four thirty a.m. on the TV. They can uh, know that the wedding will start. The ceremony will start at seven a.m. Eastern. That it should finish at about eight a.m. Eastern, and between eight and eight thirty, approximately, you will have that procession through the town, and that really is where you will have. You know, so much of the color when that, that procession goes through the town. So those are the big times to remember in Eastern time is, uh, ceremony begins at seven and the procession should begin around eight. And things get delayed, don't they, with weddings? The, uh, the bride may be a little bit late, but, um, those are the key times to remember if, uh, if you want to get up early, um, for a Saturday, of course, and tune in. Fantastic. Does Meghan Markle become a, a princess or a lady or a duchess or anything like that? Do we know that yet? We don't, and we'll find out tomorrow. She will, um, she, one thing we know for sure is she won't be uh, ever referred to officially as Princess Meghan. Uh, when you, when a, someone from the outside marries in, um, her, she will, she can be officially called, um, Princess Henry of Wales, Henry being the real name of Harry. Um, but they will be given a title by the Queen. That would be the title that they will go by. The smart money apparently, the favorites, uh, the favorite title among the bookies here is that it will be the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. But you never know. There's only one person who knows that for sure. That's the Queen herself. She will decide the title they get. Um, and we will pro- find that out at some point tomorrow, we believe, as to uh, their future title. One of the things, like you say, we'll find out on Global News Radio and Global Television. Redmond, enjoy all of this. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Redmond Shannon from Windsor Castle, site of the royal wedding tomorrow. So we don't know. Well, she won't become a princess, Redmond said. We don't know what she'll become. Apparently there's a wager on that. It's getting more and more exciting, isn't it? There's a wager on that. And we also know that if you want to buy a bathing suit with Harry and Meghan on the front, you're able to do it. Redmond has not been able to find... A speedo, which is probably good. We'll let you know what's coming up after 2 o'clock when we return on London Live. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is Global News Radio 980 CFBL. Just got word on something that makes for a nice, happy news story. Just got an email. Remember when Alicia Newman was flying and all of her polls got snapped? Well, looks like she's had her polls replaced. Looks like it's happened from Air Canada. So thank you for the the note on that. Jared sent that along. So thank you. And that's a very good news story. As we head into a very good news weekend. Here's hoping. Royal Wedding, I think we're finished talking about it. I don't have any more questions. But I'm still not getting up at 4 a.m. to watch this. And I am not strapping a fascinator to any part of my body whatsoever. I'm also not wearing a floppy hat. I don't own a floppy hat. I think floppy hats are necessary. Royal waves. Does Megan have a royal wave down? We will keep our eye out and see if we can find the Harry and Megan bathing suit. And I'll tweet a picture of that. I think it depends who wears it as to how it looks. I don't know. Unless you're like a, a plank... I don't, I don't think it can look all that great. After 2 o'clock, we're going to be talking with Dr. Zach Taylor. 
We had Rob for we had Doug Ford in town earlier today in London, and the leader of the PCs made an announcement, and that talked about mental health, it talked about addictions, it talked about housing issues. We'll address that announcement, we'll address the 407 issue, we'll address the charity dinner issue, and we will talk about, kind of in wedding fashion, who was at the Doug Ford announcement and who wasn't. News is next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFBL. We're going to spend some time talking politics for the next 25 minutes or so. We had Doug Ford, PC leader, in town today making an announcement, as you heard from Jacqueline LaBelle, on mental health, on addictions, on housing issues. He was asked a number of questions about the 407, and this is something that probably isn't going to reach any kind of resolution for a little while. He was asked a question about going to a charity event that was a no-no when it comes to election and campaigning rules. And so we'll find out a little bit more about that. We'll take a look at at some of the strategies as well that are going on. The NDP in their advertising campaigns are doing their best to just say, hey, this is down to a two-person race. This is down to Andrea Horvath and Doug Ford, that the liberals are completely out of it. Uh, Who knows? I mean, in the polls, they're not close, but lots of things happen over the next while. You can't say that they're out of it. They're still in it. Names are still on the ballot, and it matters how the voting goes. And remember, we have some extra seats in Toronto this time around. So how much does that matter? Well, it'll It'll matter on June 7th when people decide to go in and mark their ballots. Make an informed choice. That's the only thing anyone can ever ask. Make an informed choice. Don't go by name recognition. Don't say, hey, same name as my uncle. I really like my uncle. I'm going to vote for that guy. Don't do that. That's not doing anybody any kind of help. Let's dig into some of the stuff that has been going on specifically around the PC party and Doug Ford. Joining us right now is Dr. Zach Taylor. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Political Science and the Local Government Program. He's also the director of the Center for Urban Policy and Local Governance. Dr. Taylor, thanks so much for being with us. Pleased to be here. So if we look back over the last 48 hours for Doug Ford and the PCs, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you think they're chalking this up? Well, uh, I'm not even sure we can do that. I mean, it's uh, we look at the past few weeks that they've been kind of uh, lurching from uh, one crisis, one problem to the next, and yet it hasn't seemed to make a, a dent in their uh, in their public support. So I, I'm not sure how worried they are. <laughs> and <laughs> what exactly do you think could go into that? Well. Uh, you know, I think that, that what has happened is that the after 15 years, the Liberals uh, have worn out their welcome with the Ontario electorate, and uh, the Conservatives are, are the, you know, the natural alternative governing party in the province, um, you know, with, with only one couple of exceptions since Confederation. So, so um, right now, with a, with a new leader, a leader that few people outside of the city of Toronto have come to know very well, um, you know, the people are parked with the, with the PCs, and uh, they're kicking the tires. They're seeing uh, seeing what's happening now. If we've seen one thing happen under the surface of that, it's that uh, uh, you know the NDP seems to be overtaking the Liberals as as the alternative to the Conservatives. Is this down to a two party race in your estimation, or is it too early to call that? Uh, 
I don't think it will be. I think that uh, this is a highly regionalized uh, election race. The, the Southwest has a very different dynamic than the 905, which is different from the city of Toronto, Eastern Ontario, Northern Toronto. And I think what we may see shape up are, are uh, two-way races occurring, different two-way races occurring in different parts of the province. It may well be uh, a conservative New Democrat two-way race in the Southwest. We're talking with Dr. Zach Taylor, assistant professor in the Department of Political Science and Local Government Program at Western University. If we take today, today became very interesting from a London perspective, Dr. Mm -hmm. Taylor, because we had an announcement that did deal somewhat with mental health, although the PCs have been careful not to call it a mental health announcement. There was an addictions component to it. There were housing issues addressed by Doug Ford, the leader of the PCs. But the London West candidate who had has talked about mental health issues. Andrew Lawton, who has been a talk show host on 980 CFPL before, was not in attendance. Do you make anything of that, given some of the firestorm that surrounded his candidacy? Well, it's a it's certainly a very controversial and complex issue. Um, I mean, of course, uh, uh, Lawton, uh, you know, tweeted that he was uh, uh, busy door knocking at this time. Um, you know, Ford, uh, what I found interesting in, from the, the, the visual of Ford is that uh, the lectern is about hospital wait times, right? That's what the text uh, said in front of him. Um, and in that sense, I think he's responding directly to this surge from the NDP, uh, where, where they've made that the centerpiece of their campaign in the southwest and across the province, using London uh, as, as their, their, their main example in making the case that something has to change with health care. And when we're looking at wait times, obviously we have seen stories about hallway medicine, things like that. How do you win that tug of war if you're one of the two parties, either the NDP or the PCs, in terms of swaying people to believe you've got the answer? Well, for 20 years, every party in every province and at the federal government has run in elections saying that they have the answer for health care. And, you know, the, the, the problems that the healthcare systems have remain highly persistent um, everywhere. So, uh, you know, for an opposition party to say that they have a magic wand uh, in, in their back pocket, um, I think is uh, wishful thinking. Now, have the liberals solved all of these problems? No, um, but to some degree, some of them may be unsolvable. When we look at, at I guess, situations like this where we have a party leader who comes to a particular location and we look at, at those in attendance in behind him. What do you make of of candidates who are there, who aren't there, that sort of thing? Do, mm -hmm. do we look at that in any particular way? Well, I, I uh, didn't look at who was standing behind him in this, uh, this particular thing, a uh, particular visit to London, aside from the, the Andrew Lawton uh, absence. But, uh, I mean, one thing I do find absolutely remarkable about Ford's campaign is uh, how various media outlets have found over and over again that he's hired actors to uh, to attend his uh, his announcements and his rallies and, and chant slogans and so on. Um, I think that's, uh, that's probably unprecedented in modern Canadian politics. It's like pumped in crowd noise at games. Well, that and the, the fake news spots that uh, he's recorded uh, for social media and so on, it's a, it's a very unconventional kind of politics, but maybe a continuation of the trends we've seen with uh, 
creating social social media friendly uh, memes and so on. Now, when you look at that from an absolute political perspective. Does it make you cringe in that we've got, you know, there was a big round of applause after he was finished answering questions today, bigger than you would think there would have been, that we do have what is visual more so than what is substantial? Well, that's been true for a long time. And, and politics is theater. We can't uh, we can't ignore that, right? Uh, politicians... Um, can't just run on facts and and figures. They they need to be able to connect and and be able to find themes and ideas that that resonate uh, with ordinary people. Now, you know, would I rather that everyone at these rallies uh, was there out of personal conviction? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, this this sort of leader centered uh, theatrical politics, um, I think, does take something away from 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 local races from. Um, the way that that people, uh, you know, politicians really should connect with people on a one one on one basis in order to uh, uh, to make connections in in their local ridings, right? This leader centric air war type campaign, I, I, as we continue to move more and more in that direction, I think is is unhealthy. From Western University, we're speaking with Dr. Zach Taylor, assistant professor in the Department of Political Science and Local Government. Dr. Taylor, we had a deadline come and go this week in that the candidates in place now cannot be replaced. What do you expect each party to do now? Are we seeing more attack ads on the horizon in your mind? Well, to the extent that this is an air war rather than a ground war, I think uh, absolutely. I think uh, things will get nastier as we move forward. Um you know they have the candidate all the parties have the candidates that they're going to run with now you can't get rid of them anymore <laughs> if they prove to be embarrassing um so we're in a we're we're in the phase where you know this last 3 weeks where it's going to be a run to the finish line for for all of them um i think that the conservatives are definitely relying on more of a, a kind of air war strategy uh we've seen documented in the media how uh you know, several dozen PC candidates have declined to take part in local debates. You know, and and I think that this is a strategy to try to try to keep things at at the leader level, to try to avoid controversy, to try to avoid exposing maybe inexperienced candidates to um, to situations where unpredictable things might happen. And that's coming down to the old control the message again. I mean, this mm-hmm. this can't be healthy. Well. Uh, this is the, the, there's zero tolerance for failure in in our, our current politics. Uh, there's no there's, they don't allow any room for deviation from uh, from the message in the way that they might once have have done. And like you say, they're trying to make it more about the leaders. When ultimately, mm-hmm. if you have a problem, you're going to go to your own MPP. I mean, is that sort of thing being lost? Because it's like you say, it's it's more theater just to focus in on on. In this case, the three leaders, or if you want to count four leaders? Well, it's an extension of the dynamic we see between elections when, uh, you know, sitting in the House, we have very strong party discipline. We don't have a lot of ability for uh, for individual members to buck the party line. Um, that That's a, a dynamic that carries through uh, within and between elections. 
We are talking with Dr. Zach Taylor from Western University, assistant professor in the Department of Political Science and Local Government. Dr. Taylor, as far as the sprint to the finish, which I suppose opens now, do you see much changing between now in terms of of polling or do things sit tight until we actually make that ultimate decision? Well, we've seen a move over the past two weeks. There's only been a couple of big polls in the last two weeks or the last week or so. Um, And what those polls have shown is that the NDP and the Liberals have switched spots and that uh, conservative support is eroding in some parts of the province. I think what will be very interesting to see is whether, uh, as the electorate gets to know Doug Ford better, whether they will... um, uh, start to have different opinions. Uh, the thing is that uh, especially Kathleen Wynne is a known, a known quantity. We know her very well after six years as premier and, and years before that as a minister. Uh, Andrea Horvath on her third election is someone who we also know pretty well, and the people who weren't turned into her are seeing a lot more of her now. Um, but uh, Doug Ford is really only known to the people in the city of Toronto, where he served as his, uh, his brother's right-hand man during the uh, 2010 to 2014 Ford mayoralty there. Um, And, uh, of course, he ran for mayor of Toronto in 2014 uh, unsuccessfully against John Tory. So, uh, you know, I think the real real question that we're going to have to look at uh, in, in the coming weeks is what happens when the electorate really, really gets a close look at Doug Ford? What will they what will they make of that? I think right now it's more about the party than the leader, the party label than the leader. Right. And as a final question, and looking back to just one other thing from this past week, we had outgoing MPP, former Deputy Premier Deb Matthews, asking for the replacement of two PC candidates, including someone who we've already mentioned in this interview in Andrew Lawton, because of things that had been said. Is that something that you expect the other parties to kind of dig into a little bit more and and make use of a little more, saying these two candidates are still in place? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. you know, there there are a number of flawed <laughs> candidates uh, uh, on all sides, but we've seen a lot of attention to uh, to the conservative candidates. We you know we see this uh, candidate uh, yesterday and today who who uh, you know was let go or resigned from his job at the 407 because of some kind of data theft. We don't really know what's going on there. We have Andrew Lawton and his his past remarks, which he's blaming on mental illness. Um, we have a, a, a conservative um, candidate who apparently told someone who wanted to challenge him in the nomination that he shouldn't and he would get a job in government instead. You know, these sorts of things pile up uh, and uh, we'll have to see what impact they have at the local level or if, if kind of the provincial level leader dynamic uh, overtakes all of that. Interesting thoughts. Thank you so much, Dr. Taylor, for all of them. All right. It's my pleasure. Take care. Take care. Bye. Is Dr. Zach Taylor, assistant professor in the Department of Political Science and Local Government Program. And that's something we need to focus in on for a second. What Dr. Taylor had outlined about it being more about the leaders than anything else. And it is easier that way. I always go back to former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper was a guy who, when he first came into politics, and he was not yet prime minister. He was very open, very approachable. And the more that he went through as prime minister, the more the PMO would do their best to control the message. 
and it became, well, just a second. We're, we're going to oversee the questions that he has asked. And then as we look toward the end of his term as prime minister, we see only photo ops. And it was all down to control the message. And I think if people want to make noise about something, you need to really make noise about the fact that some candidates will not take part in debates. You know, that's not right. You have to take part in debates. Well, you don't have to. But, yeah, if you want to get elected, you've got to be there. You've got to, you've got to tell us what you stand for. You have to let us do our own research. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we, we won't do that because they're young. And we're worried about what they might say. So we don't want to have that happen. We're just going to leave them off and their name will be there. And we'll hope you pick them based on name recognition. That's a problem. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. If you have a thought on whether or not you feel that's problematic, the phone lines are open, 519-643-2222. Because control the message is here. Control the message is here to stay. But people can't get away with it. You shouldn't. We can't let them get away with it. If somebody's not going to be in a debate, you should not want to vote for them because you don't know what they stand for. 519-643-2222. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. Controlling the message is something that can be done now because everybody can distribute their own message a whole lot easier than they used to be able to. So you can control the message. But not having people in debates, I'm not a fan. Making this about just the party leaders, I'm not a fan. Even though, how many people vote against their party anymore? None. That's not how a democracy works, but that's how our democracy works. 519-643-2222. We'll go to the phones with Rick. Rick, what do you think of what's happening? Hey, Stubbsy, how you doing? Pretty good, thanks. And I want to be a little sick and tired here. All the three main parties in Ontario promising this, 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 and they're going to be taxed to hell and all that stuff. I'd like to throw a little olive branch here. We could bring in maybe the, the provincial leader of the Green Party. Not to say that I vote for them, but I'd like to hear what their platform what their story is also. Because they're not making a whole lot of noise at all, are they? I know, they're being totally ignored. And I think somebody should invite them on a show, one of the local shows. We, you know, everybody needs to get a grasp on the situation here. Rick, you can't request songs on Global News Radio, but you can request things like you just did. So, you know what? Next week, we'll make that happen. Sure, I would. Really appreciate it. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. And that is true. You, if you call and say, I want to hear Jump by Van Halen, we will tell you that FM 96 is your place to go. But if you call in and say, I want to hear from this person, we'll do our best to make that happen. 519-643-2222. Richard, how are you? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? Great, thanks. I just want to make one quick comment before I get into politics. The only way you could ever get Richard out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, and that's, Mike, if you told me if the Pats were playing the Blades, then you could get me out of bed. (laughs) Other than that, I would never get out of bed at 4 in the morning. Now, having said that very quickly, Mike, I've heard rumors, right, that Doug Ford is out there, and he's promising, right, the people of Ontario that he's going to end hallway medicine. I'm really tired of hearing that promise, Mike. I've been listening to that promise now for the last 
last 30 years under former NDP administrations as well as under conservative administrations. And meanwhile, they were the ones that invented hallway medicine. Here in Ontario, I don't know who invented hallway medicine, and I'm in no position to comment on that. But having said that, on June the 7th of 2018, when I go out to vote for the conservatives here in Ontario and I go out to vote for Susan Trappé, I'm not going to be under any illusion that under a newly elected conservative government that we're going to end hallway medicine any time in the near future. I think hallway medicine is here to stay with us in this country, whether we like it or not, Mike. As long as we can bring it down to a manageable level, I would be willing to accept that. But once again, Mike Wright, I want to list or talk to all my fellow conservative voters out there. Go out and vote on June the 7th, 2018, and when you vote conservative, just please don't be under the illusion that they're going to end hallway medicine. I'm sick and tired of listening to those promises. Pardon me. Anyways, you have a good afternoon, Mike. Have a great long weekend, Richard. Thanks for the call. And Richard's right. You're not going to stop every problem in any portfolio, and health care is an awfully tough one. All things considered, we have good to great to amazing health care. There are always going to be cracks in the system. Those need to be addressed. I think we have far too much administration right now in health care. You know, you need more frontline workers, and maybe then we would go a long way to trying to end hallway medicine. Control the message is a dangerous thing. People not taking part in debates is a dangerous thing. We'll talk more as we continue toward June the 7th, when, as Richard says, people are off to the polls. We are off to news. After news, we'll be talking to Robert Thomas, a former captain of the London Knights, and a guy who isn't part of the Blades right now. So, Richard, you probably won't be staying up all that late, but a guy who's a part of the Bulldogs who will be playing the Pats tonight in the opener at the Memorial Cup. We'll hear from Robert Thomas as he and his team get set for the Memorial Cup. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFBL. Sometimes social media can actually be really, really useful. It's a story out of New York, and this started with some lawyer yelling at employees because they were speaking Spanish to customers. And part of his rant is, quote, and my guess is they're not documented. So my next call is to ICE, which is Immigration and Customs Enforcement in the United States, to have each and every one of them kicked out of my country. This is what this lawyer said. And somebody took a video of it and posted it. And it turns out that his law firm is his name. And from there... This has been seen by all kinds of people who have then in turn gone to review sites like Yelp and have blasted him for what he has done and have given him low ratings. And all of this comes down to what he decided to do in public. Social media capturing that and then distributing it for the rest of the world to see. You can check it out very easily. Just search lawyer and racist rant, and you will certainly find that. We have Robert Thomas coming up in just a couple of minutes. Robert Thomas is a guy whose name, if you don't know it now, 
you should get to know because he'll be playing in the National Hockey League probably as soon as next year. He was the captain of the London Knights and was traded at the deadline to the Hamilton Bulldogs, and the goal was to go and win a championship, and that's exactly what he did. He was the playoff MVP and is now at the Memorial Cup with a whole lot of local content. If you look off the ice, David Matzos lives in the area, has been part of a Western Mustang couple of years in hockey years ago in which they put up some of the best win totals that any Mustang hockey team ever has. He's won a Memorial Cup himself as a player, played professionally. So he's there. Bill Dark, who is a Londoner and has worked with the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires, winning championships all along the way. He's been working with Caden Fulcher, who is a part of the Hamilton Bulldogs, their number one goalie. You have a trio of ex-Knights and Robert Thomas and Nick Mattinen and Ben Gleason, And then you have a couple of other area guys. Navrin Mutter, who may not play much in the Memorial Cup because he's young. He's from Lucan. And then you have Jake Murray, who we talked about earlier this week, who was playing minor midget hockey and wasn't feeling too well and kind of had some sort of sinus issue, it appeared. And he was getting headaches and was tired. And he was diagnosed with a carcinoma. He was diagnosed with cancer and stayed playing hockey at the time. Ended up being a fourth-round pick of Hamilton. Went through treatment and was declared cancer-free and made the Bulldogs this year. He played for the St. Thomas Stars last year. And so he's another story, just a tremendous story. And he may or may not get into games. He's still only 17 years old, and this is a very veteran team, but he's definitely with the club learning what it takes to play at the Memorial Cup. Robert Thomas is a guy who you just have to root for because he's someone who has such great ability at what he does, and he's somebody who never really takes credit for it. Coaches and scouts will always say he does the things that help your team to win. But they're not always goals. They're not always assists. We're going to talk with Robert Thomas in a moment about what hard work actually paid off. He would stick around when he was a member of the London Knights as a young player after practice. And one of the most important things in hockey now is being able to control a puck along the wall um, and cut in front and create scoring chances or pass in front, but controlling back in, in Wayne Gretzky's old office where you're in behind the net. Your your face is no longer to the play. Your face is to the boards, and you protect the puck. And he would go through this drill over and over and over. So would other young players. Well, on Sunday afternoon, there he was doing the exact same thing, only Robert Thomas cut out in front and scored and broke a tie and ended up helping his team win a championship. So we'll have to ask him about that. But Robert Thomas is coming up next as he and the Hamilton Bulldogs prepare for the Memorial Cup. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. The City of London has played host to the Memorial Cup twice, and it can take over a city. It's a whole lot of fun to pay attention to, and it's happening right now in Regina, Saskatchewan. And Robert Thomas is now a member of the Hamilton Bulldogs, used to be the captain of the London Knights, won the Memorial Cup with the London Knights in 2016, and Robert Thomas joins us. Robbie, congratulations. Thank you very much. You left London to go to Hamilton, and what they wanted to do was have you help them 
win a championship. And that sounds really easy to say. Actually getting it done, actually winning those 16 games, that's that's as hard as it gets. You did it. What is it like to have actually done it? Yeah, it, uh, it definitely feels really good. Um, uh, you know, when when you get in that situation where a team a team trades for you for that reason, uh, you know, it, it feels like your job to do it. And uh, you know, it, uh, when I came in, I was opened really really well with uh, big arms by everyone from the management, uh, Mr. Anmar, Mr. Steos, to, to all the teammates, and uh, it really it really made my job really easy. You were on a good team, but. Sometimes it it just it takes something extra to get to that next level. You guys seem to build that through the playoffs. Take us through what was happening there, the the growth of the team that allowed you to be as good as you were all the way through. Uh, I think the biggest thing for us is uh, a lot of guys on our team didn't really have that much playoff experience, and uh, you know what? Every series we, we seem to get better and better, and. Uh, I think as the further we went on, we just became closer and closer as a team. And um, when when we did that, uh, we we're we we're really hard to beat. And I think we sort of just just becoming closer. And um, with how bad our team wanted it, and how bad a lot of the guys wanted it, is this has been their only chance in in their whole junior careers to to make a push for the championship. It it was pretty special. Robert Thomas with us from the Hamilton Bulldogs getting set to play in the Memorial Cup again. And we'll touch on that in a little while. But if we go back to Sunday afternoon, it wasn't just the guys who had never had a chance to win a championship or the management, the coaches who had never had a chance to do that. There were over 8,000 people in Hamilton in the building. They wanted to see that happen. It's the third period. The game is tied and you get the puck in behind the net. You're a guy who doesn't really talk much about personal accomplishments, but how clear in your mind is that goal? Yeah, that, that goal is I've, I've been replaying that in my head for the last couple of days. It, it was a pretty pretty special goal for me to get, and um, you know what, it, it, it was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. You have to be able to control pucks along the boards in hockey these days. When you joined the London Knights, there were times – in practice, after practice, when you would do these drills along the end boards and you would go back and forth and you would cut in front, how much was that kind of setting the stage for what you're able to do as a player? I think I think it helped out a lot. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was just thinking about that and how uh, uh, Boosh actually told me the same thing was that uh, we used to do those drills all the time and to see it, it work. Uh, to that exact drill work uh, in such a big stage it's pretty cool to see and uh, it definitely pays off all those hours after practice doing doing drills like that where at the time you're like oh are they gonna work are they gonna work and then here, here we are now and uh, it, it's it's pretty cool we're talking with Robert Thomas how much have you talked to some of the guys on the nights about all of this uh, I've been talking a lot uh, a lot of us are still kept in touch and we've been talking almost every day so it's pretty cool to see you know those those guys I grew up with and for my 16 year old year and 17 year old year they're they're pretty much family so uh we're, we're always staying in touch like we said you're not a guy that talks much about personal accomplishments but 
after you had watched the clock tick down, after you'd had a celebration in the Bulldog zone, eventually you line up and there was a presentation of the 99 trophy, which goes to the playoff most valuable player. And everybody's been in that situation where you're wondering, is it, is it going to be my name that's called? Were you even wondering that? Uh, you know what, to be honest with you, I didn't even hear, I didn't even know what was going on. And, uh, we were all standing in line, and I didn't even know, realize he had presented it yet, and everyone's yelling at me to go up. So uh, <laughs> I, I had no idea. But, yeah, uh, it was one of those things where after after I got it, I, I looked at all the names on there, and you see uh, Marner from two years ago, and uh, and then you just look back, and there's some, there's some pretty special names like McDavid, Perry, and the list just goes on and on. And uh, it, it was a big accomplishment for me. Let's talk about two years ago. You have been through the Memorial Cup tournament before as a player. You were on the team when they won in overtime. You were in that game. You know so much about what this tournament is like. What do you tell your teammates in Hamilton about it? Uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, the event is, is just so big. There's so many bright lights. Uh, it's such a such an attractive event as it's one of the one of the biggest tournaments in hockey and. Um, I think for for me, just going in, I'd say you got to soak it all up and keep your eyes wide open, and uh, it's it's an experience of a lifetime. But at the same time, you got to be ready to play. So uh, that that'll be what I'm I'll be telling them. The Edmonton Oil Kings went in in 2012, and they they didn't do as well as they wanted to, and they said, you know what, we got caught up in all of what you were just talking about, all the bright lights, everything that is going mm-hmm. on, all of the attention. They came back to London in 2014. And they won it, and they said that was because they were were able to to get through that. They knew what was there. Do you spend a lot of time with your teammates talking about what it's like, or or do you try not to make it too too much? What do you do? Uh, I I haven't really said too too much. I've just been sort of telling them, uh, like sort of that. But I think uh, I think I'll I'll start talking a lot more before our first game, but. Uh, you know what? It's an experience of a lifetime, and you got to enjoy it and and soak it all in. So, uh, I'm sure I'm sure the boys will be ready to go. You guys beat a Sioux Greyhounds team in the OHL Championship Series that had been one of the best major junior teams in any regular season ever. How do you feel you did that? Um, you know what? I think you know what they. You got to give them a lot of credit. They they're the best team and. Everyone thought they they'd beat us, and they they deserved that after the regular season they had. And for us, I think uh, we we were all confident that we could do it. We knew if we stuck with our game and played our game, that it, it would work against them. And um, you know what? Uh, we we were really deep and on the forward end, and our defense were, were really simple, and they moved the puck well, and and they shut down a lot. So um, you know what? I think just our depth and our forward group, just the speed we had, and we just kept going and going and going. And uh, when we're on our game, it's tough to beat. Loads of London connections. You're playing with a former teammate in Nick Matten. What was it like to share this latest moment with him? Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, I still remember the first – we got traded on the same day to Hamilton, so it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to share it with him, especially since he was my roommate in London. And uh, I was with him the last couple of years, and it was really tough to see him go, but – to, to share an experience like this with him. And uh, my belts from London came down as well. And Kevin and Owen came as well. So it was pretty cool to, to share it with all of them. 
Now you go up against the host Regina Pats. You've done that before, too, in playing the host Red Deer Rebels. What do you know about Regina? What do you have to be ready for against them? Uh, you know what? Uh, they're, they're a really good team. Uh, they got some pretty skilled forwards, and they're, they're a big team, big old older team. So uh, they'll be ready to go for sure. They, they've been practicing a lot, and um, they, they've been off for a while, so they'll be fresh and, and ready to go. If you think back to playing Red Deer in kind of the, the same situation just two years ago, can you catch a team that hasn't played a game off the bat? Can you try and do that? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, you know what? They're, they got their home crowd behind them. They're going to come out uh, with everything right off the bat. So uh, I think for us, we just got to weather that storm a little bit and then get to playing our game. Uh, Robbie, whatever you do in the game of hockey makes a whole lot of people proud. So congratulations and uh, keep this going. Yeah, thank you very much, Stephanie. Robert Thomas, look for him to be playing in the National Hockey League next year. I have a theory about the Memorial Cup. And it'll be tested and may even get an answer with the playing of this particular tournament in Regina, Saskatchewan. I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. My name is Mike Stubbs. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFBL. Here's something to watch as the Memorial Cup tournament gets underway. It's just a theory of mine. It's just a harebrained thing. But the Ontario Hockey League has seen the last three Memorial Cup champions come out of their league. So you had the Oshawa Generals, who did win in overtime. You had the London Knights, who did win in overtime. And then you had Windsor and Erie, who kind of dominated the tournament last year. My harebrained theory is that coaches in the OHL have been pushed to new levels by other coaches in the OHL. And that the game itself... It's not the players that are different. They used to say, well, Quebec is all offense and the Western Hockey League has a lot of guys who are big farm boys and they use their size and the OHL is kind of a blend. That stuff doesn't really matter anymore. But the style of play is not necessarily different based on the players. I think the style of play is different based on the coaching. And I think the OHL coaching is superior. And they are pushed to have their teams do more. And I think, and even though you've got you know teams that have won in overtime, the Knights won in overtime, Oshawa won in overtime, I think the favorite going in becomes the Hamilton Bulldogs because they have gone through that OHL style where things are a little bit more technical. I've talked to players who've come out of both leagues, the Western Hockey League and the QMJHL, and they admit, yeah, things are more complex in the OHL. So I think that gives them a decided advantage. If you look last year, when the tournament began, it would have been easy to say that the two teams not coming out of the OHL would have been the better teams. Didn't happen. They got blown out. So I want to see what happens this time around and whether Hamilton is that true favorite because I believe it's their tournament to lose. We'll see. Local sports action, you bet there is some. The London Majors didn't get a chance to play their home opener last week. They will get a chance to play it tonight if you look at the weather. It is a little breezy. Here's hoping it's blowing out towards center field. I can't tell which way the wind is going right now, but Cleveland Brownlee would sure like that. Hit a few home runs. 
And we also have FC London in action against Pro Stars FC at 8.30 at the German-Canadian Club. And we have Blue Jays baseball for you coming up on 980 CFPL. That will start at 7 o'clock. Enjoy the long holiday weekend. Do behave yourself if you're at a campsite. We didn't talk too much about it today, but we did hear it yesterday that there are some gray areas to the rules as long as you are behaving yourself at a campsite, it's not completely dry. You're not supposed to bring alcohol in. You're not supposed to consume it. But there are definitely some gray areas, and people can't search your car, and people can't search your tent. The important thing, have some fun. Enjoy what will be a little bit of nice weather here and there. We'll hear more from John Wilson in just a couple of minutes in terms of what the weekend forecast is going to do. And if you're getting up early to enjoy the royal wedding, well, tell me about it. I won't be there with you. Thanks to Andrew Graham. Thanks to Devin Peacock. I'm Mike Stubbs. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.